0: Well, amen. You guys can be seated. What a preparation for us for Holy Week, you guys. Whether you're joining us online in the comfort of your own home, or you're here in this room, we are so glad that you And my name is Michelle Pemberton, and I'm one of the pastors Here and we are super excited about this week. So let me tell you a little bit. Easter is coming and also is spring. Isn't it so fun? Everything's green. Yay! It's gonna be 74 next Sunday. Okay, this is what I want you need need to do. I need you to pray no rain, okay? Because we're gonna have some outdoor services and it's gonna be awesome. So one of the things we'd love for you to be noodling on this week is who could you invite into your Easter celebration, your Holy Week celebration? Is God's putting somebody on your mind that needs an invitation. Here at Heartland, we are an inviting people. We invite folks to do stuff with us. Maybe it's an Easter egg hunt. Personally, my kids are grown. I'd love to go to an Easter egg hunt. Um, maybe it's sharing a meal outside. Maybe it's watching a service together. Whatever it is, invite someone into this Holy Week experience, would you? Let me tell you about our services. Our first one will be on Good Friday, and it's gonna be an on-demand service so you can watch it anytime you want. They've taped it already. Nick and Julie will be doing the worship. Tom and Seth will be doing a teaching. It'll be a beautiful um, just experience uh, for Good Friday. Get your communion elements together, bread and crackers, wine and juice, and moms and dads, bring your kids in. You guys can take communion together at your own home, outside, watching it on your computer, whatever works for you. We'd love for you to do that. Okay, on Easter Sunday, we have four services. Let me tell you about two of them that are our outdoor experiences, and those are only on site here. At 645, if you like to see the sunrise, we have a... Easter sunrise service out on the backyard. And at 10 o'clock, we're going to have another outdoor service on the backyard. We'd love for you to come to that. We will have our regular online and on-site service here at 9 and 11. And we'll have Heartland Kids for birth through first grade at those two 9 and 11 services. Make sense? Love, we'd love to have you back at any or all of those services, Okay. I want to do a special thank you. Um, All of us are in different boats when it comes to COVID. We have different health issues that we're dealing with. But for the folks who have come back and are in this room, thank you. Thank you for attending, but also serving. Like we can't do Sunday without other owners. All of you guys who are owning Heartland's vision, of making space to build relationships, to make Jesus first. Whether it's a part of our creative arts team that pulls off this amazing service, or in our Heartland Kids or student ministries or making coffee, hospitality, so many different things, are, we are owning it together. So thank you for giving of your time and for not only attending, but also serving. Um, The last thing I want to tell you about is my very good friend Craig Cheney is going to come up here today and we are going to learn from him as we look at these last words of Jesus on the cross and we're going to learn about what words matter. Thanks you guys for being here.
1: Good morning, Heartland. It's great to be here with you. This is one of those days that by the appearance of it would be a great day to be outdoors, wouldn't it, for a service? We could have experimented with today, but so glad you're here, right here indoors with us or online, wherever you may be with us today. You know, words, since the beginning of time, have been the currency of life. Words were used to create and words have been used to sustain and strengthen Words have been used to take life as well. Words kind of make worlds for us. They're so significant. The question for today, and maybe it's for this week, even leading into next weekend, but the question for today is, what words do you most need to hear? That as you consider those words, if you were to hear them, They would resonate, they would land in a place of great significance for you. What are the words you most need to hear? At the end of February we celebrated the fifth birthday of our youngest grandson and Hank is everything energetic. He is a go-getter, you have to appreciate he's in a house of eight other older siblings. So he gets the rapid education, you know how that is? But what he didn't get were words, like it was the longest time before he he talked. He walked and he ran I mean, he had a lot of things going on but he wouldn't talk. And so, you know, you begin to ask questions developmentally, like "Is, is everything okay? Is everything going on all right here? And then he began to talk and talk and talk. He has a lot of words. So he just spent a longer time kind of getting his glossary together before he was prepared to kind of unload it on us and he is quite the prolific talker. So just the other day he and his father were watching a movie and in the course of that movie he learned a new word. It's not a word you're supposed to use and this phrase was a short two-word phrase starting with oh like oh shoot you know that kind of phrase but not shoot. You know what I'm saying? So he tried this out on his mom while standing in a line, impatiently waiting for this to kind of move along. I think he was picking up on his mom's impatience and so he declared, oh shoot. And of course she, in great alarm, goes about correcting him for why this is inappropriate in this moment and any other moment. Do not say this. He said, no, no, Mom. No, no. This is why you would say this in this moment. (laughs) And to his credit, he explains it appropriately. It still needed correction. That correction hasn't yet rested with him. We learned of this while eating dinner together with the family, and he rolled it out at dinner. And then we learned the backstory, and it was quite hilarious. So, no shortage of words uh, for Hank in this season. All of that to say, we're all oriented to words. Much of God's creation is nonverbal, not so with us. We are a people of words. Words have been designed for us. They're very important to how life works for us. So the question today, what are the words you most need to hear? The declaration of God is the words I most need to hear and you most need to hear, Jesus speaks. We want to explore that idea today and see if the words Jesus speaks are in fact the words you and I most need to hear. Jesus' words were words of love, they were words of longing, they were words of life, they were words that were true and pure, they were soulful and they were personal, they were timely. And they were powerful, especially if they're meant for you or me. Over the last six weeks, we've been taking this journey through the last words of Jesus. They're words that are culminating here as He's finishing His time on earth, and He's finishing it tragically, if you will. In unspeakable torment, He's on the cross and He's offering these declarations that we've gone back and reviewed in an effort to try to personalize them and and understand what's the significance of these words to us. So I want to take a moment and walk back through them and try to connect some of those dots. But before we do, I want to talk about a time when Jesus used some words with His own followers and they were hard words. They were words that for Him captured the cost of what it meant to follow Him, what it meant to hear and receive His words and respond to them and follow Him. Jesus declares to His followers, hey, if you keep following Me, you need to know it's likely to cost your life. You need to know that. I want to be upfront with you about that. I want to give you these words about what it means to follow Me. And upon offering that to His disciples, This is what's recorded for us in John 6 about that experience. From that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Those were hard words for them. What we discover in the passage is it surfaced the unbelief that was already in them that they had not dealt with. And they stopped following him. So Jesus turns to his 12 and he says, So do you want to leave me also? And Peter speaks up and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That was the dividing line between those who left and those who stayed. Those who stayed had heard words. Their heart most needed to hear, and they believed in who Jesus was. Peter was making the declaration these are the words I most need to hear, and Jesus, you're speaking them. As we back up through our series here, let's take a look at some of the words we've already looked at that Jesus is uttering in these very moments. One of his first words was a word for the hopeless. And his declaration said this, you have a good future. Here were his words. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. These are the words Jesus offered a thief who was dying of crucifixion beside him. But who had expressed to Jesus a desire in knowing, could he go where Jesus was going today? And Jesus makes this declaration in words, you have a good future. Words to the hopeless. In The second week we looked at a word for the guilt-ridden. And the word here was, you have a fresh start available to you. He says, Father, forgive them. These who are taking my life, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow. How many times have you found yourself overwhelmed with guilt and you wonder, is a fresh start available to me? Hear the words of Jesus to you third week. A word to the lonely. And the words Jesus offered were, I'm here. I am here with you. He says to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the Jesus who later said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Said that to us. He was able to do so because he had journeyed through this moment of forsakenness. And so he offers us a word to the lonely. I'm here. I'm here. The next week, a word to the suffering. Brief phrase, I'm thirsty. I thirst. His declaration to you and me is, I understand when you don't have what you need. A word to the suffering. I understand. On Good Friday, we're going to look at a word for the unsure. And Jesus' word to us at that moment is, you have freedom in surrender. If you're uncertain and insecure, you have freedom in surrender. He says, This, Father, into your hands I commit or surrender my spirit. He's offering that to us. On Easter Sunday, we're going to look at a word for the defeated. And Jesus' words to us declare this victory can be yours. Jesus' words in this moment, it is finished. It is finished. He has overcome sin and death. It is finished. Today on this Palm Sunday, a Sunday in which Jesus was received in Jerusalem triumphantly, it's like victoriously, like a champion, only now to lead to these moments on the cross that feel full of defeat, not victory. It's in these moments some of what Jesus expresses speaks specifically to our relationships And he says this about relationships, take care of each other, take care of each other. And he says it to two very important individuals, woman, behold your son, and to his son, behold your mother. We're going to enter into the story and unpack it a little bit so we can appreciate the value, the strength, the significance of those words as they may be words uh, for you today. In John chapter 19, this account is captured. We're going to read a few of those verses and then try to get inside them. Verse 25 picks it up. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So it's Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary's sister, Mary Magdalene. And with these Marys is one of the disciples described as the one whom Jesus loved. We understand this to be John. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, behold your son. And then to John, behold your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. What's going on here? This is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus refers to her as woman. Now you can appreciate the fact there are three Marys here, okay? Okay. This was the Mary that belonged to him as mother. Woman, behold your son. So what's Mary's condition? Beyond his mother of Jesus, Mary's a widow and a woman. So in this context, women had very low, very limited standing to begin with. A widowed woman had no standing. If someone did not take her in, she had no representation, no protection, no provision in their culture. Here she is witnessing the death of a son with whom she likely had the closest relationship. Certainly the most defining relationship from the very beginning when God told her, you're gonna bear a son and this will be his journey. And now they're at this moment in that journey. She has to be overwhelmed with what this all represents for her. She's imagining herself alone, without care, without protection, without provision, without family. Jesus' other siblings, Mary's other children did not come to recognize who Jesus was until well after His resurrection. She's very alone in this moment. John This chosen follower of Jesus, invited to come near, invited to walk with him. A disciple with whom they formed a very close, loving relationship. John, this man, has lost his leader. There's a loss of purpose and a loss of future. His most defining relationship is dying. And in this moment, Mary, who is not John's mother and John, who is not Mary's son, are bonded together by Jesus' words to enter into a relationship that would be life-giving for both. The words they most needed to hear in those moments were the words Jesus offered. When you and I consider what are the words I need to hear, You may not be in the place of Mary and John, but you are in the place of hearing the words. Jesus has to speak for what you most need to hear. Jesus' words had significance and substance. They had power and effect because of who Jesus was. His life had been a life pattern of demonstration and words that lined up with each other. There wasn't an incongruity and an uncertainty. You could count on what Jesus said carrying meaning for what he said. He spoke and things happened. Spoke and things changed. He spoke and there was movement consistent with what he spoke. These were words of love, of longing and life. They were true and pure words, honest words, soulful and personal They were timely, and they were powerful words. Judy and I got to know one another in college just just a few years ago. And in getting to know one another, there was an early spark, and we both took a cautious posture toward that. We had had close relationships coming out of high school, and and we're in a new season, and we're like, we're not sure where this is going to go. And so we were very careful about our words with each other. Uh, we waited a long time to ever say love to each other. We'd used that word in previous relationships. We understood what it meant and what it didn't mean in those relationships, and we were careful in this season recognizing the power of our words. I don't remember exactly when it happened. I don't have a star flash moment and we said love to one another what I do know is we did come to that place in our relationship and we began to express our love for one another and to use that word, a powerful word of relationship. I came to love Judy's words for me. Let me I came to love a lot of Judy's words for me. I'm still loving many of Judy's words for me. I think she's loving some of mine, you know, but we understand how to qualify those. We're still learning uh, to love one another. But here's what's significant about receiving the words of Judy, she receiving mine. We both ended up getting each other. We didn't just get each other's words. We actually got each other's life. Life. It's what happens when we receive the words of Jesus for us. We don't just get Jesus' words as significant and substantive and powerful as they are. We get Jesus. Now in this moment, here you have Mary and John and others who are witnessing Jesus' death like they're going to lose Jesus, but in that moment, What's being accomplished by Jesus is making it possible for the words he has for them to have meaning and substance, to have life, and to have power. Because in this moment, as Jesus is willingly putting himself in your place and in my place on the cross, when he's doing this, he's accomplishing several things for us that make it possible for us to both hear and receive his words in a way that would give us life. One of the things he's doing is he's satisfying the righteous anger of a holy God. That anger is being poured out on Jesus instead of on you and me so that we can enter into a new kind of relationship with God free of that anger, justifiable anger. He's also paying the price that needs to be paid to rescue us out of slavery to sin. That's what he's doing here on the cross is paying that price. He is satisfying the legal debt we carry, this judgment of guilty for the sin of our lives. He's paying that debt and satisfying that justice. And he's building a bridge between God and us and between each other. He's reconciling us to each other in this cross moment. That's what he's doing. So that in this moment, he could speak to Mary and and John in this way so that they could hear, we can now adopt one another. Like we're being adopted by God as sons and daughters, we can adopt one another. We can give each other access to the resources we have. And that's what they experienced, as the Scripture tells us. She became a part of his home and family, and he provided for her for all the days ahead. That's what Jesus is doing in his death on the cross, is he's paving the way for you and for me to be adopted into relationship with him and to be given access to all he has. It's a profound price to pay but it was a price that had to be paid and in so paying it, it gave his words added power and life for you and for me. Jesus is still speaking words to you and me like he spoke to Mary and John. Think of this moment, kind of unfathomable pain and distress. And yet Jesus is undistracted for what Mary and John need in that moment. Do you have trouble? I have trouble at times. Do you have trouble believing God has words for you? My guess is in those moments, for what Mary and John were dealing with, they weren't even thinking about what words God might have for them. But Jesus knew what they most needed to hear, and he spoke it. I would encourage you to hold on to that picture. Because whatever you think of God, whether he's disinterested, doesn't know, he's distracted, whatever, from you, he's not. Any more than he was in this moment with Mary and John. He's not distracted, and he has the words to speak to you that you most need to hear. Let me offer you some other scriptures that hopefully reinforce this for you. Jesus' words are living words. Hebrews 4 captures it this way, For the word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, sharper than a scalpel. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It judges the nuances of our thoughts, our rationalizations, our attitudes. It cuts through that to give us life. This is living and active words. Second... His words are the words of life. We can live by His words. Peter said it this way as we looked at earlier. Jesus, where would we go if not to you? For you have the words of eternal life. And last, He has words that reconcile lives. They bring lives back together. Our life with the Father, our lives with each other. Jesus' words reconcile lives. A couple of scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 reads like this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by this cross of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 and 22. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell on Him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelling on Jesus, and through Him, Jesus, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were at odds and distant, you were enemies, in your own minds because of your evil behavior. He's describing the hostility that often exists between us and each other, and between us and God. And Jesus in the cross is dealing with it. He goes on, but now you've been reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in His sight without blame- blemish and free from accusation. That Jesus' life and words would free us from hostility. And from accusation, powerful words. The words I most need to hear, Jesus is speaking. So, what am I to do? How do I access these words? How do I benefit from them for myself? A couple of steps I'd pr- propose. First, receive his words for you. He's revealing, he's speaking, he's offering words. Receive them for you. You can do this in part, just take the scriptures, take a Bible. Go to the stories of Jesus Himself, first few books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read the words of Jesus that you might hear Him speaking for Himself. Read or listen. I find it really helpful at times just to listen. Then write it down. Take time to capture it and reflect on it. What's being said here that would be of importance to me? Revealing about God himself or his perspective or his conduct or character. What's it saying about me? Revealing about me. Reflect on what you've written down and then share it. Don't keep it to yourself. If Jesus is speaking to you, it is for your good. It's also for the benefit of others. You and I get to offer the words of Jesus we receive to others. A second step, respond to the words he gives you. As you receive them, respond in faith, believing that what he said is for your good. Act on his words. Let it affect your attitude, your own words, your own actions. Act on his words. Talk to him about what he's given you. He loves to hear your words and then share it. Share it with others. Because it's been good for you, you may discover it's of benefit to them. The last point I hope I wanna offer you is his words have results that are guaranteed. His life here, his death and his resurrection, his presence with us now are the guarantee that his words are full words, not empty words. They have results. They impact our life. We can receive them with that confidence. When I hear, receive, and respond to the words of Jesus, not only do I get his words, I get him. You you get him. You get his full personality, you get his full presence, you get his power, you get his provisions, you get him. What a wonderful way to enter into this week as we reflect on the words Jesus had for Mary and for John. He knows you and me. He knows what our heart needs. And He speaks the words you and I most need to hear. And I believe He's doing that even today. Let me pray for us that we'd be able to hear, receive, and respond to his words for us. Jesus, as this week brings into focus for us, your life, the willing offer of yourself to stand in our place and take upon yourself that which we are rightfully responsible for. You take it upon yourself and you take it to the cross and there you put it to death. And in the process you have words for us, you have words to us that are the very words our heart needs to hear. Words like forgiveness, words like you are forgiven, words like you are my son and my daughter, words like I am here to restore and to reconcile broken relationships. Jesus, you have the words my heart most needs to hear, and that is true for every one of us here today. Our prayer is, Jesus, help us hear Your words. May Your words cut through the clutter and the noise of all the other words that fill our thoughts, that we might hear Your words, empowered by Your Spirit, and we find life in You, Jesus. May that happen with us. In this week, we ask, help us hear the words You have for us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, it is Easter week and we're excited about where it goes. All the up and down of it. And we pray that together we'll get to celebrate Jesus' resurrection come Sunday. It's great to be with you. Have a great Easter week.